0: everybody and welcome back to another episode here on sticks and bones with your ghost hosts chelsea and 10 your ghost girls we are back happy saturday Ten. how are you
1: happy saturday i am good i just shoved a cookie down my gullet Yum. i'm ready to have a sugar high i got my ears pierced or my third hole in my left ear pierced last night so it's uh it's a good weekend for 10
0: you know but how are you we had some crazy fires this week so that was a, a weird highlight I know I hope everyone is safe out there especially to our listeners out in Canada I know the wildfires are really bad um those of you that live in the northeast we are not used to you know I live in Pennsylvania from Jersey my parents their house was like the apocalypse I hope everyone is feeling a lot better and hopefully didn't spend any time outside um but yeah prayers out to Canada and we hope everyone's okay um, we get wild we get wildfires on the west coast out in California so
1: oh yeah that's
0: it it was
1: the weirdest thing when, before, like, we got the notifications, like, you, can, you could smell it here, and I walked outside to water the plants, and I was like, it's
0: a little early for wildfire season. Yeah, yeah, and, and then it's I, not normal to, for the East Coast to have this.
1: <laughs> and then I had to do a double take and realize that I'm not back in California, and I should not be smelling smoke on the East Coast. So, I no. was just like, this is...
0: Hmm. The sky is red. <laughs> no, we don't sign up for the wildfires. We sign up for the change of the season. So, yes. <laughs> but anyway, we hope everyone's okay. Um, We're coming to audio only today. And this is because I had a wedding this past weekend. Um, We weren't even sure if we were going to be able to get this podcast episode out between the metaphysical store. Um, We're both back doing readings full blown. We have a few bookings still open for June. Um, And yes, I've been talking about this wedding. It was my great aunt Jean, her grandchild was so my cousin was getting married and I was in mm-hmm. the bridal party Love that. but I'm so tired and it's not because I'm hungover um when you invite the Italian folk practitioner into your bridal party I spent the whole morning doing workings to make sure she didn't receive the evil eye on her wedding day so shout out to aunt Jean man yeah me and aunt Jean we're out there working our magic Um, But we're actually, it's funny that this is all kind of transpiring now, because at the end of this episode, we're going to be talking about folk practices a little bit. Um, Today, we're really focusing on the Roman and Greek gods and their synchronicities and how they are not the same plot twist. Um, Not the freaking same. Let's repeat that. (laughs) Not the same gods. Not the same gods. You might find sources with superimposed uh, text on top. Not the same. But yeah, we're going to be touching folk practice at the end. I know a lot of you have been asking me tons of questions about it. Um, it's been coming out in a lot of my client readings, so we're going to have just a bunch of fun things to chat about today, and it all just meshes together.
1: Oh, yeah. As you know, everything we do is, you know, because of misinformation, really, just get at, getting out there and debunking it, because man, oh, man, have I been seeing some, like, craziness out there, especially, you know, recently, which is kind of, like, what brought on, like, two of the case studies that we're going to be looking at today with um, Poseidon and Neptune, and of course, Jupiter and Zeus, and looking at the differences because they just found a few new frescoes at Pompeii recently. And the image that one of them was found was, of course, um Apollo and Daphne. Shout out to oh, them and their oh, mythology.
0: God. That's my favorite mythology <laughs> story. <laughs> and
1: the okay. second one featured Poseidon and Amimone, and I had got people uh had their feathers in a bunch when I said it was Poseidon and not Neptune and that is because you know Pompeii was a massive port in the Bay of Naples and people were not just Italian people were not just Roman they were coming from all over the Mediterranean and once you step foot in what is now Italy you were not just like oh can't say poseidon anymore right neptune no right people carry their religions with them their spirituality their art so we're gonna be talking about that but i know that was a huge drive for today of being like
0: "Mm. oh well it makes sense because when i think about my italian folk practice Mm -hmm. some italian folk practitioners work with the hellenic gods um because it was shared information. It's not always just the Roman gods you have to work with because you're an Italian folk practitioner. Mm-hmm. I work with both. I work with both because that's just the way it was. That's what my ancestors did. Um, and I even said this in other podcast episodes, You know, people were coming at me for the evil eye working that I was doing saying it was just inherent to Greece. I'm like, guys, guys, they're next to each other. <laughs> they're going to be training things that they're doing their beliefs their superstitions that's why when you go to italy and greece the superstitions are literally the same um just maybe different based on what they had available in their region in terms of herbs and symbols and things like that but the olive oil working is not just in a, a greece thing it's not just an italian thing no it's for all the peoples that are in the mediterranean so it even you can find it in turkey um so that's why why would the gods not be the same you know yeah, they're going
1: to be – that's where, you know, synchronicity comes in heavily. Yeah, right, um, right. But it does not mean that, like, Poseidon equals Neptune. It's not that. Even though that is really what is seen online of, you know, they are counterparts with heavy air quotes. And it's easy for people um to be like, oh, especially, like, when you're learning mythology and family trees and who's who – to be like, oh, you know, Zeus is equivalent to Jupiter. Like that just makes sense all around. It's easier to learn that way if you are familiar with one or the other pantheon. But that does not mean that they are one and the same because they're vastly different. So we're going to be looking at a few case studies about that today.
0: Yeah. Also too, you have to remember the peoples um, within Italy, they were worshiping in different ways too. Like we talked about Hecate and how when she gets to Rome, she loses her necromancy aspect, right? Because necromancy was outlawed. Meanwhile, the Greeks were practicing it. So there's just things that you you cannot say they are one of the same. Um, they have heavy synchronicities. Yes, we did identify that, especially with um, the Hades episode, Hades and Pluton. We talked about that. Um, But you cannot say that Jupiter and Zeus are the same deity. That is incorrect. That Mm -hmm. is erasing a whole entire practice culture pantheon That's superimposing deities on top of each other. And their mythology can be different. Um, It's going to be a little bit different. And what they rule over can be different. Um, And how people were petitioning them, worshipping them can be different. So just keep Mm -hmm. that in mind. Um, Before we get started, I just want to give a disclaimer. We recommend Theo a lot, especially if you're looking into Greek texts and things like that. I know I like to look back when I'm looking for like small things or simple things, but when you go, what is it? T-H-E-I-O dot com. Did T- I spell that right? T,
1: I'm spelling it like out loud. T-H-E-O-I. I. E-O-I.
0: Theo. That's what I thought. <laughs> um, they have, they do not separate Roman and Greek No information. It is all together as one. And I've seen people teach on the internet copy and paste from that website and not understand that there's two different things going on there. So if I've ever told you in a reading, that's a great starting place. I will always disclaimer. There's going to be Roman sources. Yes. So depending mm-hmm. on what you're trying to get, that's why you have to dig deeper into research. And I know no one really likes to do that, but that is what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. But anyway, um, we're going to start with just some of the roman and greek gods we're not going to be going through every single one today we're just oh, no, showing no. you why they are not the same and the synchronicities um why they can be considered you know they do share some things but we're going to be starting with um who do you want to start with today jupiter yeah let's Question. start with jupiter all right ten's gonna take it away with jupiter i'm gonna be asking the hard-hitting questions i'm lucky i'm even podcasting right now. I'm so <laughs> tired, but i'm like. This is important. It will raise me from the dead. I must talk about this. Absolutely. Oh, also too, really quickly before you start, we're going to be talking about the magical days of the week. So that'll be at the end. Yes.
1: And uh, before I dive in, one final thing that I do want to touch upon, you know, historic wise, uh, before we get to the deep, dark levels of mythology is chronology so i know for a lot of people a lot of us are taught bc and ad growing up through mm-hmm. you know schooling and everything um which is you know before christ and anno domini after um after all that so bce and ce is actually how i was trained as an archaeologist and an art historian and that simply just stands for before common era and common era and I teach it that way only because not everybody bases their religion on a man named Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, although he was a real man, not everybody is going to base it on that, which is fine and fair. So whether or not you use B.C. and A.D. or B.C.E. and C.E., they both are the same. Like, it doesn't change the dating of anything, like, number-wise, but... Um, so they are the same. I'm honestly, I teach my students this. I'm just happy people are using dates to be completely honest.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, for the listeners and for myself, I know you're involved in timelines all day. We don't always understand timelines of things. So like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was telling 10 yesterday because we always talk about like, how can we deliver the podcast in a way people are going to understand? Because I am that person. I am the listener too sometimes where I'm like, I, if you tol- if you told me to put these in chronological order, I would not be able to do it at all. Yeah. um dates timelines can't do it i'm even bad with american history um i could tell you everything about the civil war ask me dates it is not my forte i cannot place it on a timeline and i don't know if that's the american education system <laughs> at its finest but i'm like dude i i i cannot <laughs> so no. don't worry okay. if the dates give you literal agita that's how i feel sometimes when i'm like studying something and i'm like what does it mean <laughs> like, yeah what is the date
1: don't stress like if one source says bc and ad and the other like says bce and ce like they are they are they are interchangeable
0: yeah all right that's good to know the only interchangeable aspect of this podcast (laughs) makes a lot of sense um another thing 10 before you start, i almost forgot um if you look to i posted this on my instagram story but i'm reminded to talk about it again um we've had a lot of you know, people taking our information and bringing it back out into the world. And I listen. Love I that. love that because I love that. You know, you're getting information from two people who actually study this. I mean, Ten's literally a doctor in archaeology. Um, I've I'm a devotee. I practice. You know, I'm. I'm Immerse myself into the spiritual plane all day long. i happy to help. But if you take something from us, make sure you are giving us credit where it is due. Um, we've seen a lot of plagiarism lately, especially with our store. I'm always happy to inspire people. I love to inspire people, but there's a difference between inspiring and then just blatantly taking something and it does get brought to our attention yes. Um, all the time, all the time. Like our listeners will always tell us something, you know, I don't, I'm not going to call people out. That's crazy, but just know that like, we are aware of these things and you know, we're happy that you love what we do in our store and our products and our podcast, but make sure you are just, you know, say, Hey, I got inspired by sticks and bones to create this yeah. or to teach about this or I took information or something that they said, you know, just make sure you're citing us or the primary source that it came from that we're talking about. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Make sure you're using it correctly too. (laughs) Yeah. So um, you know, I just I just wanted to reiterate that because as a small business, we've said this before, it can be extremely disheartening. You know, we are paving a way for ourselves too. There's more than enough room for everybody in the world to talk about these kinds of things. But if you are gonna take something, just make sure you make it your own. Listen, I get it. But you know, taking and plagiarizing other people is not cool. And I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. I'm all about inspiring and helping, you know, that's why, that's why I teach, but the
1: moment it's plagiarism, it's a yo.
0: <laughs> yeah. We, we experienced it a lot with our store and I want to make this very clear too. We're very honest. And we talked about this in another episode. We make sure we have permission to make those products, especially when they are in a divine name. So I don't suggest plagiarizing something that's dedicated to a deity. Just don't do that. Um, we everything we come up with for the Catholic is original to us and we actually channel them to create things um because we have permission because we teach on their behalf. And we've mentioned this in other episodes. So I just wanted to make that clear. Um, you know, no big deal if you find inspiration with us, but you know, just give us a shout out. Hey, Chelsea Chelsea and 10, sticks and bones. What's up? Yeah,
1: or we try and boxes. base them in
0: in ancient practices with yeah all that fun stuff. Yeah, make sure you're citing your source, period. Even if it's a prime like, you know, we don't we're not original on the sources we're about to tell you today. You know, I'm sure I'll <laughs> no. tell you where she's full. I know I wasn't alive. So <laughs> I was just, not there. just a reminder. We would appreciate it, but we appreciate your support and we love that you love what we do. So anyway, should we get started? So now let's just
1: dive into the love yeah. of the odds, you know. And we're starting with Jupiter and Zeus, so I think kind of the main thing is I'm just gonna jump into like major differences. So just shoot me your questions, Chelsea, if you got them. Okay. So with Jupiter, there is a massive difference. There's going to be a lot of similarities in terms of like create creation. Excuse me, creation
0: myth. I thought you said create shit. I got a mouthful of cotton over here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, their creation story, you know, parentage, it's a very similar kind of genealogy story. But Jupiter, who he is, he is the main god of the Roman state religion. And remember, everything within Rome is always a lot of the time going to be state sanctioned.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Myth, uh, mystery cults are not state sanctioned which is why you're allowed to go into it and do it as long as you're also performing your
0: state duties right we've talked about that in other episodes too so Mm -hmm. good reminder so jupiter by the um republic
1: period of the roman empire so early on so by the republic he is known as the king of the gods he is head of the gods And he is also associated with a triad. So he's associated with his wife, Juno, and he's also associated with his daughter, Minerva, and they are the Capitoline triad. And it is those big three who kind of oversee everything within Rome. Meanwhile, if we kind of want to go tit for tat with, you know, Greek mythology. I was just
0: going to say, it sounds like Zeus and Hera.
1: (laughs) It is, but also very different because, yeah. in a sense, with Greek mythology, the queens are counterparts of their husbands, and it is the husbands as the three kings mm-hmm. who rule as the triad.
0: Oh, yes, you're right. So That's thought- really interesting. So, the wives, I mean, well, the queens are a little bit more involved in Rome than not that they're not in the Greek pantheon, but you're right, it has to go through the three kings
1: well the the one in Rome, it's more family,
0: yeah, it's like father, wife, daughter. I wonder if that's a reflection on the society. It may be, Absolutely. you know, because I find that the way so when you're reading mythology or you're looking at the gods and and their interpersonal relationships, I find that's kind of based on what the society deems appropriate like that's why you find a lot of things are based in like patriarchal views especially mm-hmm. in you know ancient belief systems because men ruled society period um but i wonder if that's a product of their society that's very interesting it absolutely maybe um we
1: have at 509 bce in rome that there is a great temple who he shares with Juno and Minerva, and that is going to be erected on Capitoline Hill in Rome. And this is where people would gather to make their sacrifices. Now, if we're looking at Greece during this time period, it is the Archaic period. So it is after Homer. We are getting almost to Hellenism, which is, you know, Alexander the Great time period, but we are still very different at this point. Um, his most important title is Jupiter Optimus Maximus, meaning the best and greatest. And he, in that title, is signifying that he is the father of the gods, not just king but father. That's an interesting title. And I, I don't have this written down, but it's it's making my noggin think that with the Roman family and who was in charge during you know the Empire later on it's the pater familias which is the head of the male the sorry the head of the the eldest male head of the household so it could kind of be that same thing of it's always the
0: eldest male right which we talked about in the i'm just being reminded myself the atomism episode house spirits Mm -hmm. we talked about um creating a household shrine intended touch upon roman pagan beliefs at the time so if you need a refresher go back to that episode that was one of my favorites that we've done Oh my god, right? That I love that one. I could talk Okay, about that can I can I ask you? I know we're going yeah. through Jupiter, but I think this is we we want to make this distinction. Um, mm-hmm. what are the main differences between Jupiter and Zeus?
1: Um, a big one that I can just see right off the bat, and this also goes for Neptune and um Poseidon, is their how they're written about in ancient texts, ancient sources, and mythology. Um, The Greek authors are going to be writing about their gods with way more detail. It's not so vague as it is when you compare it to the Roman texts. So when we are looking at how ancient sources are describing Zeus and Poseidon and what they look like and their beards, their hair, their robes, everything like that, we have a lot of detail. In Rome, it's a little bit more vague. And a huge one with Jupiter and Zeus is while jupiter does come and co-mingles with the mortals it is not as much
0: as zeus interesting Mm -hmm. um is there anything in their iconography like so say you're looking at a statue of zeus or a statue of jupiter is there anything different in their iconography the way they're portrayed i know you said in greece it's a little bit more detailed so there might be more detail on their statues i'm not sure is there anything to do with his symbology that differentiates himself from zeus like, how do you know it's Jupiter? Would One. they leave a name? Sometimes they leave names, and we love when we're left names, man. Yeah, right. That's why I'm <laughs> like, is there a name attached? to This like, if you're studying something or you're uncovering something, is there a name there, or is it they're looking at the iconography and being like, because we just said, you know, it could be Zeus, right? Just because you step what into they? Italy doesn't mean the Greek gods don't exist. Gone. <laughs> like, it's a sorry, they can't be in. Don't know what that is anymore. <laughs>
1: Um, So the iconography is going to be the same, of course, because people are looking around them and they're taking um, other gods that they know of. And they're like, "Hmm, we like that aspect. We too are going to take this beard, this staff, all of that kind of stuff. So they do uh, share some symbols of the eagle, all of that kind of stuff, thunder, lightning, all of that. But it seems in Rome, and this is more not a detail that you can really portray in artwork Mm -hmm. but more of just like a personification is that Jupiter is more of a deity who is conceived of as a protective deity of the reigning emperor of the state right he becomes yeah so different aspects of him are focused
0: differently no, it makes sense. So this is why if you're looking for iconography differences, this is why people get them confused. And so hard. I totally understand that. Like I'm even researching this and I'm like, what is the difference? <laughs> it's not the difference. <laughs> like, obviously it's different, but like, what is the difference? I feel like it's uh, you know, you look at those photos and it's like, can you find this? Like, what's the difference between these two photos? So don't, don't get like upset if you're like, no. I, I, I do not know which one is which um, if you're looking at like a statue or something tens just said, they usually attach names to it. So hopefully, you know, if you're looking at some sort of source, it'll cite it or you'll see a name.
1: You'll see a name. Um, You'll have, you know, larger aspects of, you know, iconography. So, you know, the easiest one to point out of, you know, the difference between, uh, excuse me, uh, Zeus and Poseidon is Zeus is heavily associated with eagles. So, you note that difference. You can note their scepters and stuff. But when you only have partial remains, let's say, of like a head of a statue, that's when things become a thousand times more difficult because then you're thrust back into, oh, does this person have curly hair? Does this divinity have a beard? Are they shown this way? Are they shown that way? And honestly, the answer is it depends. Right. And It goddamn I, depends. <laughs> I feel like sometimes we'll just never know, too. And this is a great point to lead into what I want to say is a lot of artwork that you see online or in museums even will have both divinities of Greek and Roman origin listed. So it'll, it can uh. be, you know, there is a great uh, fountain in Spain and it says Poseidon slash Neptune because we don't know.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. It also just reminding me how, um, I, I love how our episodes just come together because I saw something interesting on the internet. It was this beautiful statue. Um, 10, I talked to you about this. I will, I'll post it somewhere. Um, once -hmm. this episode airs, I think I can't tell if it's Poseidon or Neptune in the ocean. And it's like him in the ocean and the waves it's in Spain are just crashing against him. And it's the most beautiful statue i've ever seen in my life and i've never seen anything more significant to like poseidon or neptune where it's like if i was a deity i would want this statue it's just in the ocean and the waves just crash up against it yeah it's insane
1: yeah and it's it's stuff like that that makes it so hard to differentiate because there is so much synchronicity between the two that you have to like do a deeper dive into where do they come from Mm -hmm. to understand how they evolved into like their final evolution in a sense
0: well this was even interesting too and this is why I said this because I googled this to see if it was Poseidon or Neptune and the source that I was looking at was the New York Times right so it's a newspaper Mm -hmm. they just had written up an article about it Mm -hmm. they couldn't even differentiate whether it was Poseidon or Neptune they'd be like here is this wonderful statue of Neptune and then in quotation marks they would put Poseidon so this is why people are getting confused because when you do do research or you're looking at things online not saying newspapers are trusty sources of information because they're (laughs) not um you know it is confusing
1: yeah no and it it makes a lot of sense and it's sometimes easier just to say it could possibly be either or Mm -hmm. and I know I have I've gotten questions in the past of how do you know which divinity it belongs to let's say we have a bust from like the shoulders up of a divinity How do you kind of narrow it down? And the best answer I can give you is art historians and archaeologists will actually look at comparable artwork of the time period to see which one it matches closest to, Right. right? So if we only have part of a face, if we only have like part of the dress with an arm, we can kind of date it stylistically. This is not Carbon 14. We are dating stylistically to the date that we believe it belongs to so we could base it on you know oh this costuming was really popular during this time period and this jewelry was only used during this time. Uh, a lot of times with Roman statues that is how archaeologists uh, data is with hairstyles for women.
0: Right and I. I think this is a good point to say because you know this is something I learned from Ten is like there's purpose in bracelets that are worn in outfits in hairstyles. You know mm-hmm. I posted a video recently saying that Hikate is a virgin goddess and why do we know that? Because of the way she's portrayed in artwork. Yep. Um, her skirt has a lot to do with it. So you know, look at artwork. See see what you can figure out. You know if you're interested in studying. Um, I think artwork's a great, a great resource to look at and to be like, oh let's look at these certain things that they're wearing or their hairstyles. It really can tell a lot about whether they're a maiden or if they're a virgin, etc. So absolutely. I think that's cool, but yeah, interesting. So it is sometimes hard to figure out if it is Zeus, if it is Jupiter, if it is Neptune, or if it's Poseidon, unless it has a name underneath it. Correct. If you know the area that it's
1: in, you can kind of look at the material culture, which is yeah. like artifacts of that area of like who was worshiped there or Or was it a specific aspect? Because Jupiter becomes a little bit more associated with justice and laws and social order. Mm -hmm. And I don't see that as much with Zeus.
0: No, I was going to say I do not ever associate Zeus with that at all. No. And, you know, both do have ties to,
1: like, agriculture and everything. But that and that fertility aspect is seen a little bit more with Zeus, So where Jupiter is more law and order, Zeus is more king of the gods, Mm ruling-oriented, and just different base, which is absolutely just fascinating.
0: It is really cool. And like I said, I think it is a lot to do with the product of the society and their beliefs and the way that they do things. They're changing it a little bit to fit their narrative um, Mm -hmm. and how they they rule over society or their societal norms, which is cool. And that's why there's a difference between Greek and Roman deities. That's what I said in the beginning. Yeah. You know, different, different in cultures, similarities, but also different. Also, what I thought was absolutely
1: spectacular with Jupiter was in his connection to justice. He is especially concerned with oaths, treaties, and leagues. Mm. Meanwhile, in Greek mythology you have either separate gods or daemones for those different personifications for those different actions you know everybody is swearing upon the Styx river Mm -hmm. everybody is doing oaths in a different way Um, if you are doing treaties there's a certain um, aspect for that so it's so interesting to see like what they chose to kind of bring over and synchronize with Jupiter and they're like "Mm,
0: he's going to be more state oriented yeah, that is really interesting. But on to Neptune and Poseidon. I was going to say, talk to me about Neptune and Poseidon. And mm-hmm. I really quickly before 10 dives into this, the reason why we are doing this episode is because we are going to be diving into Zeus and Poseidon on the <laughs> podcast. But once again, I think in Aphrodite, Aphrodite and Venus, two different deities, two different deities. I know they share a lot of similarities, two different deities, um, we are going to be diving into them over the summer, and I think it's important, like we do with the Norse episode, to talk about the problems and the synchronicities and how they are different so that you get a better understanding of, you know, when we do a whole episode, we said we can do, like, a whole, literally 50,000 episodes dedicated to Zeus and his mythology. <laughs> Um, so that when we get to that episode, you're not as confused and you're like, okay, we're talking about Zeus, we're not talking about Jupiter. Because one day I would like to touch upon the Roman gods. I work with some Roman gods. I work with Fortuna. I work with Venus. Um, so I, I can't wait to dive into that. But we gotta we got to do the Greek gods first.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I think it's also before I kind of jump into Poseidon and Neptune, I do want to make this note. Because, you know, what you see online, especially with, like, even sources that you would imagine to be scholarly and academic, right? They will just superimpose names on top of it. Like when I was just doing base research of like symbology to like a refresher, it was coming up that Neptune was written in Homer. That's, that's just factually incorrect. And it Homer was again, eighth century BCE in Greece, possibly we don't know if he even existed, Mm -hmm. but that's very, very different. So um, a good reminder is they come a lot later. The Roman gods, as they are written and as they are depicted, come centuries after the Greek gods do.
0: Yeah. And that's okay if you didn't know that, <laughs> because like it I is said, we're not all good with timelines. Okay. And um, another thing really quickly before you dive into Neptune that I want to, we wanted to touch upon today was Persephone and how people are saying yeah. she is a goddess of creation and created mankind.
1: Um, yeah. I'm going to go over a- that
0: later. Okay um we did do a full episode on that so 10 is going to touch upon that because i think it does fit in with what we are talking about today but if you're interested um you know we did a whole episode on persephone with that but okay let's talk about neptune okay so neptune this one
1: he was a lot harder to kind of trace without going into like a whole ass deep dive yeah right like academic blackout world um but another huge thing with Neptune is he does not occur in Roman mythology until, you know, r- centuries after, like, Rome even became a thing. Mm-hmm. So very much late to the game. That's interesting. I wonder why. Uh, he, Neptune, when I say he, Neptune is associated more with sea creatures. Um, Poseidon is the patron god of the sea to the Greeks. And he has ties to fishermen and sailors because, you know, they're always on the sea. We have to remind ourselves. Basically, nobody during this time could swim. And if you are a fisherman or a sailor and you're going out on your boat, you are going to make sure that the man in charge of that realm is going to make sure that
0: you have a safe passage, right? Yes, I have a question. Yes. In the way the romans are looking at their gods are they looking at them as rulers of separate realms like the greeks are because i know and when you look at um greek gods you can very clearly see you know the three kings and the realms that they rule over and that's very important right the underworld you have the ocean Mm -hmm. and then you have the skies yes um and the land are the romans looking at that the same way i don't believe so And And I find that fascinating because I don't think so either. I never really got that vibe when I was reading about the Roman gods that they are looking at it the same way the Greeks are. Yeah. And
1: it might be because, you know, we
0: like to focus a little bit more on like the
1: chthonic entities. But in Rome, even like when I am teaching students mythology, it's never really going past Pluto and a few instances of the underworld right you know virgil's aeneid he talks about the underworld but it's it's not the same it's kind of the same um notion that not many people go there nobody really returns from it unless you're like a hero or a demigod <laughs> but there is so much more pressure on state religion um private sphere so the domus of your household religion right. And all of that to stay in Pietas because to the Romans, Pietas of staying in good standing with the gods, doing your rituals, doing your sacrifices, all of that was kind of the biggest thing that you could do. Because if you were in, in Pietas, mm-hmm. you're out of peace with the gods, you not only put yourself in danger, you were putting your entire community
0: in danger. Right. Yeah. we've talked about that in other episodes. Um I just find that interesting because I'm like, I'm not really getting the same vibe. It's obviously different, different deities. But I was just wondering if they carried over like the realms and their ideas about that. Because I think the Greeks placed a huge emphasis on that.
1: They do. They do still, you know, have um, Neptune ruling the seas, Pluto ruling the underworld. Mm -hmm. The realms that way, they're ruling the same. But how they are viewing it in
0: their own worldviews, I would argue it could be very, very different. I know. I feel that way, too, just from some of the things that I've read. But anyway, sorry. Let's continue about Netflix. <laughs> I was thinking about that and like, huh, interesting question, because I wonder if Tan also has experienced this sort of information when she was doing her research.
1: Yeah, like a lot of the big the big hitters are going to be the same. But then when you look, take a second look at it, you're like, it's a little, a little different, which is awesome to see. Right. But it it makes you ponder. Um, So neptune before he becomes neptune and this is where i was kind of falling down that crazy rabbit hole is as a roman divinity he has ties to fresh water before the actual sea okay and the freshwater aspect is believed to come from the earlier etruscan divinity who had ties to fresh water especially in wells so they were also taking that and he also became more associated with gods because of who neptune marries so okay. we also have that so he's having both
0: freshwater and salt water aspects well that's really interesting that you said that they're now taking from the etruscan divinity that was there before all of this like they're kind of just synchronizing everything together and being like here you go this is what we believe now
1: they're synchronizing and like yeah. evolving it to fit their needs and you know this is, could be a case for people saying uh, mythology and divinities don't evolve they do. Yeah, they do. Um, they definitely do. He only has one temple in Rome, Neptune. And this is between uh, Aventine and Palatine Hills. Um, there are three hills in Rome. And he was one of the four gods in Rome to receive a bull as a sacrifice. Hmm. The others were Jupiter, Mars... I forget the third. Um, He's not as popular as Poseidon.
0: I will say that. I wonder why that is. I don't know. and Because Italy is literally... They have coasts. They don't have the ocean. (laughs) So I wonder... Yeah, I wonder why that is.
1: Uh, He's not as popular. And when I mean popular, this is not because I'm going back in time and asking all the people at ports being like, do you know who Neptune is? (laughs) It's mostly from the material culture remains and what is written about him. Um, But he is um seen in literary depictions and mythology um but poseidon is going to be more heavily involved of course he is so heavily involved in the iliad and the odyssey right especially the goddamn odyssey Mm -hmm. he's the one chasing odysseus home um and poseidon has temples throughout greece right there's so much to poseidon in greece and so much so that it's even said that alexander the great sacrificed to him yeah as you should <laughs> as you fucking should man. as you freaking should alexander the great he yeah. also used to wear the gorgon head so alexander the great did also cut some kind of shitty things too so
0: with yeah he's a terrible person oracle at delphi but that's another time <laughs> well we've, we've talked about this before that's why i keep bringing it up i'm like
1: um as we said earlier um Hecate loses the necromancy aspect Mm -hmm. because the Romans are very fearful of it, even though the Romans are doing necromancy. There's a weird like give and take with the Romans. Well, it makes Um, sense
0: because if you look back on what we talked about with the Restless Dead and the Romans' beliefs on the Restless Dead, they were terrified of the Restless Dead. So I don't think they're going to want people to be doing some necromancy um, or saying it's necromancy because what is that? That's raising the Restless Dead. So I get why. It is
1: and... Oh, this is one thing about Rome is one emperor will outlaw it. The next one will bring it back. And it's just this crazy pattern of outlaw. It's back again. Outlaw. It's okay. And I know during the Roman empire, Augustus got rid of astrology and astrologers because they could predict when he was going to die. And he didn't want that as a Capricorn as a Capricorn. He didn't want
0: that. Yeah. Of course that Augustus, you wouldn't want that. (laughs) You don't want people to know your birth chart.
1: And then I know, what was it, Adrian? Um, They were, many emperors were doing necromancy and trying to get a one-up on somebody. A lot of people in the Roman Senate were doing it, trying to get a one-up on finding out somebody else's dirty laundry.
0: Yeah, as they should. That's what astrology <laughs> is for. Have you ever been on a date and asked your partner or the person you were dating for their birth time? I Or, have- or
1: to perform necromancy and find out about who they're running against in the Senate.
0: Listen. 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 Okay. (laughs) Let me tell you something. I said this, I think, on the last podcast where I saw a TikTok and it was like the girls are just not summoning the dark forces like they used to anymore. I respect people that are summoning the dark forces and are using it for their advantage, respectfully. So But for so and so they summon the dark forces. (laughs) Yeah, they're smart. (laughs) But I get it. I get it. It doesn't look too good when you are uh, you know, emperor and you don't you don't want people to know your birth chart. (laughs) nay nay no. um
1: with her aspects of being one who looks three ways at the crossroads it seems that Janus, um who is a two-faced god gains more prominence during the roman period um and he is often found at doorways because he can look both ways um then let's just get into the persephone aspect because and this is coming from Theoi. this is the case and point of yeah. how you cannot superimpose one pantheon on top of another because it doesn't make sense the
0: math ain't mathen mm-hmm. i've oh. seen people post about this before and i'm like see I cannot be your frame <laughs> of reference <laughs> it kind of you're like what does apollo rule over right like they do a great job of the very basics and you know, pointing you yeah. to some of the hymns and the stories and the mythology, but it's not great when you're trying to say a, a very big claim. Which I would like to remind you, we did a whole Persephone episode on this. Ten literally made it her life's mission, and disassociated into an academic blackout on, uh, you know, Persephone is she a Mycenaean goddess, no. etc. Yeah, and the answer <laughs> is no. Okay, I'll have to do another one and just academic blackout <laughs> <Yeah>. for
1: Persephone <laughs> in this essay. I will. Um, so these source. Is coming from Hyginus, uh, who writes Fabulae. And this is coming from the second century CE. And the myth basically says you know, when this goddess was crossing over a certain river, she basically picked up some clay and fashioned man from it. But in the myth, as it is written by this Roman mythographer, the goddess Cura is mentioned. And Cura is the Roman goddess credited with creating mankind. And her name translates to care or concern, which I kind of love. Yeah. Um, but when I looked at this specifically with the preposterous nonsense they were trying to peddle, um, they had written Cura as her Roman name is. They translated it into Core with a C instead of a K. And they instantly were like, corey where have i heard that before that's persephone yeah right
0: right so they're just superimposing Mm -hmm. on top of other mythology
1: there's not enough breadcrumbs to get back to how you got there so then when the next part of the story comes up they have jove jove is the same name as jupiter they are used and this is where it gets interesting they are used almost interchangeably many times in the roman period jove jupiter and somebody's like jove that's jupiter that's zeus by damn it's zeus yeah right it's not zeus <laughs> um then the next person to come into the story is Telus and tell um we know she is Telus mater which does have some synchronicities with terra mater who is mother earth um Severus, who is a Roman author in the fourth century CE, he actually comments on the differences between both Tellus and Terra. So, even though Tellus and Terra as earth goddesses are similar early on, they do have differences later. Whole big thing.
0: Yeah, it's but a lot.
1: This author sees Tellus and is like, that's an earth goddess. You know, who else is an earth goddess? Gaia. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> so, the next one you enter the story is um everybody's taking everything to the god uh saturnus who is saturn right
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and saturn is the roman god of time and he actually has ties to agriculture which chronos heavy air quotes when it's the greek counterpart he is mainly just associated um with time and Mm -hmm. is uh zeus's and the olympians father so people see the word saturn saturnus and they're like chronos my god it's chronos and it's like you cannot superimpose that because they are very different <laughs> yeah
0: right no i totally get that and uh um, gather round everyone it's just people mistranslating things over and over again and making the same associations like we would if you go on google and you're like "By damn it that is poseidon and it's actually neptune you know what i mean like it is it gets really confusing i'm sure whoever was writing was also confused too and i do not blame them but my question um, is
1: was you know my confused when he wrote it in the second century
0: (laughs) god yeah it just gets so messy um everything about this gets so messy so like i said before don't feel bad at the greek and roman gods if you've made mistakes um it happens like i said but once you get to rome doesn't mean that the greek gods don't exist anymore so doesn't mean like as soon as you walk ashore they're like there's a force field and only the roman names can be used yeah they're like (laughs) sorry no poseidon here just neptune only neptune we see no poseidon only neptune
1: but one that is used almost the same way but very different stories is medusa yes and of course um writes it one way uh, Ovid takes that and makes a transformation myth, and that myth, she still ends up as a gorgon. The other one she's written earlier as being already a gorgon, but mortal. Mm-hmm. But her imagery is still used the same as a an apotropaic image, meaning it averts evil, averts the evil eye, um, for protection and all of that good jazz. So that usage of the gorgon head, the gorgoneion, is used. Across time and place.
0: Well I think this is a good segue. Into like um our next segment. Of the podcast. Because now that we've talked about Greek and Roman gods. This is something. This is a hill I want to die on. Because <laughs> I'm tired of y'all. I'm tired of it. <laughs> Um, speaking of the gorgon head and using Apotropeg images once again we've done in-depth episodes we're just kind of connecting the dots here Um, on medusa on persephone um, we just did roman versus greek gods this is the episode today we're gonna be diving into zeus and poseidon etc venus over the summer Um, but one thing i do want to say is superstitions and witchcraft Uh, are two different things Yes. They do have a fine line, and the reason why I say this is because I—I mm-hmm. I will say it fifteen times. I'm a folk practitioner. You would never call my ancestors witches, Strega. They would absolutely find that the utmost insult ever, because mm-hmm. what they practice is superstition, and what they believe to be true, and their belief it is not witchcraft. So, when you are practicing um, in your spirituality or you're finding Hellenism or, you know, you're practicing like the Roman pagan way because you use the Gorgon head doesn't mean you're a witch. It is a superstition and there is a gray area and sometimes fine lines depending on practice, belief, et cetera. But even in some of these belief systems, they feared witches, right? They didn't always want to turn to witches. And, you know, we just talked about necromancy, et cetera, that witches don't just practice necromancy. That's a belief. Um, so, Why I wanted to say this is because you do not have to be a witch to be part of Hellenism, to be part of any of this, because that's not what people were doing. It was their belief and their superstitions, right? Yeah, it's such
1: a gray area, even to the pagan Romans. Like, you could go seek out a witch, and we do have excerpts on that. Cersei. Absolutely. But even, like, for the Romans, like, you would go, we have, um, you know, the Witch of though. Um, you know, writings about what these women were doing. And we have actually beautiful mosaics preserved of people visiting witches. But to go to a witch, you would not consider what you were doing at home of leaving offerings to um, Mercury, leaving offerings to the Lares or the Panatis in your household shrine. You would not consider that witchcraft or magic. You would consider that your family's belief, your family's practice, if Mm -hmm. you were doing and wearing certain implements, amulets around your neck, that is just superstition against the evil eye. Mm-hmm. But if you had a job for astrology, necromancy, um, love spells, curses, anything like that, that's when you go and seek kind of the witches, the other in a sense. But right. it's such a gray line between, uh, you know, ancient pagan practices, superstition, magic, and witchcraft.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people are lumping them all together too and like that's n- it's not correct, you know what I mean? Um and the reason why I bring this up is and I I kind of feel like, you know, some of the uh the Greek divinities I do uh channel for, I do do cathonic readings and this one was specifically with King Hades. I did a reading for a client recently where they were um afraid to practice witchcraft and you know, I I gave them a reading and I was like you can practice superstition, like ancient superstitions. What did they believe about the restless dead? You know, Hecate's Depnon, the restless dead, using the Gorgon head, the evil eye, you know, the Ilmolokio cure that I do. My ancestors thought that was actually a sickness that you got. It wasn't, Mm -hmm. you were, uh, they actually thought someone could look at you and you were cursed and you were, you know, it wasn't just a hex. It was like an illness someone was giving you. They believe it to be a remedy, um, a healing remedy. So that's why I call it the cure because (laughs) you need a cure for it. Um, but you do not have to identify no. as a witch. You don't have to be burning candle spells. Like there are things you can do to just hang in your house to protect and ward your home. Um, mm-hmm. They come in the form of artwork, evil eyes, etc. We talked about that in the Patropeic episode. So I just want to bring that up because you know I get a lot of questions as a folk practitioner. Why are you wearing a cross if you're a witch? And yeah, I do practice witchcraft less than I do actually my own Hellenistic beliefs and my folk practice. But, you know, you don't have to like fit into just one box and just be careful between the gray line between superstition, witchcraft, et cetera, because it does get convoluted. Mm-hmm.
1: But even even the ancients can tell you what magic was, but they know it when they saw it.
0: <laughs> right. Right. I get it. And this is why I will die on the hill that Hekate is not the mother of witches. I'm sorry. I don't really don't know where that comes from, but I'll just say it anyway. Yeah. in that episode I I, we did that episode. I still can't tell you where it comes from. I don't know there's no text that says anything about that and considering what the ancients thought about witchcraft sometimes it doesn't really fit you know is it because she's practicing necromancy or the curse tablets that people are associating her with magic I don't know but curse tablets are not magic that is something that you just did. Yeah like they're you know what I mean like what were curses they're curses but what the ancients considered magic and just their own superstitions and belief like there's two different things there. Yeah, because
1: you could today say that wearing a certain amulet or an, a, a Brax gem is magic. Meanwhile, people are wearing it and amethyst gems to relieve themselves from the effects of drinking too much alcohol.
0: Right. I mean, there is, I just thought of my own folk practice, you know, there are curses that you can do in Italian folk practice, mm-hmm. but that's not, we wouldn't consider it magic, it's just a curse. A curse, so you know what I mean? Like a curse to me is just not magic. It's just you're working alongside of divinities to get something done. You know, you're petitioning them to do something. It's a transaction. It's a transaction. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> I implore you, you know, look at your own practice and be like, damn, maybe I'm not actually practicing witchcraft, and it's just literally what the ancients did. Um. Yeah. Okay, really quickly, we wanted to touch upon the magical association with the days of the week because we did talk about the Roman gods and they, guess what? They have their own days of the week here. Yes, they um, do. So I'm going to run through them really quickly. I don't practice all the days of the week. I'm going to go through maybe two or three that I do actually practice. Um, so days of the week, we have Sunday, which is soul, which is Helios, um, personification of the sun. So Sundays are great if you work with Helios, soul, etc., and you want to do something for him. Monday, we have Luna which is also uh you know the counterpart Celine, uh personification of the moon so monday would be a great time to harness the power of the moon if you don't always go by the lunar cycles i actually don't practice that way um and i didn't i forgot what mondays really were for because i don't really practice on mondays
1: me too and i have enough to do with the full moon and new moon stuff, so I
0: it's like Yeah, I work with the lunar cycles, but I guess if you're not a lunar cycle person, like Monday would be a great day. Tuesday, you have Mars, um, Aries, God of War. Um, I don't practice these days, but I find that a lot of people do a lot of strength workings. Um, Could be a good time to do a baneful working, right? You're working with that kind of fiery energy. Anything that fire is associated with. Um, Like I said, I don't practice. Some people are really into the days of the week. And by God, I really give you props, but it ain't me. (laughs) (laughs) Wish I could be one of y'all. Yeah, Wednesday is Mercury, um, Hermes, Messenger of the Gods. So one thing that I do do on Wednesdays, I'll actually leave my offerings for Hermes on Wednesday. Um, And it's a good time to do communication working. So if you're looking to reach out to the other side, commune, work on um, your spiritual gifts, I find Wednesdays are great for that. Um, Also a good time if you are looking to petition Mercury or Hermes for anything. Um, I usually will leave offerings for him on Wednesdays, like when I need something really big. Mm Mm-hmm. Thursday, you have Jupiter, Job, Zeus, King of Gods, later ties to legal. Um, I guess maybe a justice working. I don't
1: know. Justice, Um, if you're buying a house, you yes, know, contracts,
0: anything. like things vary that need to be set in stone. Jobs, interviews. <laughs> yes. Yes. <clears throat> Some people said they actually do money workings on Thursdays.
1: I can see that with
0: like the abundance aspect. Um, Yeah. Yeah. The fertility agriculture aspect. Um, Friday. This one I practice heavily. This is Venus day. Everyone knows that. Um, I practice very heavily with Venus on Fridays, which is love, lust, Um, practice a lot of glamour magic, relationship magic, self-love. I think Friday is a great time to do it anyway. When you get off of work and you're like, let me do my self-care. I dedicate my self-care routine to Fridays. Um, And Saturday is associated with Saturn and Kronos. I actually don't associate anything with that. I don't either.
1: Yeah. Uh, because it's time. Like I know it has like a lot to do with like endings. So if like you're trying to like end something, um, I've seen things of like
0: cycles coming to an
1: end, yeah. leaving, doing something, all that.
0: Uh, yeah. Also too, if you want to get like your schedule for the week ahead and check, you know, it doesn't always have to be magic. Maybe you just do something associated with that on that day. Um, like that, when I think of time, I think of time management. So like getting your schedules Mm. together, I actually, maybe I do do stuff on Saturday now that I'm thinking about it. It doesn't have to be witchcraft. See, I actually do a lot of meal prepping my grocery shopping. Like I'm getting prepared for the week ahead. That's what I do on Saturdays in the morning. Um, so stuff like that. But I think, you know, if you're looking to add an extra boost to your practice, working with the days of the week is great. And it's something I should, excuse me, do more of. And I don't. Um, because I can, I barely know where I am today. So what day is it? Who am I? (laughs) I actually thought today was Sunday because I had a wedding on a Friday and I was like, I woke up and I was like, where am I? Where am I? Who am I? Where are we? Um, but is there anything else you wanted to add to this episode before I go into a little bit of the collection launch that we have coming up on Wednesday? I am good. I don't think I have any questions. Okay. Um, yeah, I did post a Q and a on my podcast. Um, a lot of people were asking me, you know, I, I wanted to know like what questions y'all had about the Greek first Roman gods. that everyone was asking, are they the same? That's literally every single question that I got. So that was the main point of the episode. They are not, they are <laughs> not while the synchronicities are outrageous, not the same, Correct. but okay. So what is launching on Wednesday, the coastal collection, which is actually inspired by both Greek Greece and Italy, which is, I think it's funny that we're doing the, uh, Greek and Roman gods today. Um, we have the Santorini candle coming out as well as the Amafi and all of the oils that are associated with the coast. So we have a travel roller coming out for Hermes. It's also a worship roller. Um, he is a God of merchants and travelers and things like that. So it's good for protection. Um, he's also a Chthonic deity. So protection against spirits, and you could also use it to worship Hermes as well. A lot of people were asking for Hermes stuff and listen, we knew when it was coming out. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. don't worry <laughs> um we also have the coast roller coming out which is change in perspective so if you need help getting out of something or you're stuck in a mindset you need to look at things a different way i love this roller it's my favorite mm-hmm. it's also where i'm at in my own life um we also have the summer solstice oil coming out which is all about home and hearth and bringing in fortune abundance happiness and blessing anyone that walks into your home and your space Um, mm-hmm. only the people that deserve it though we spelled it that way <laughs> so if they're like someone where you're like get the hell out of my house trust me they ain't coming through um we also have the meet a more roller which is all about getting back into the honeymoon phase of life and in relationships. so it's not just for the relationship girlies it's for everybody mm-hmm. um it's really about finding hobbies and passion and reigniting the flame again very different than the other rollers that we've done around like glamour love lust etc this is more like um You are a hot girl, no matter how you identify everyone's a hot girl, walking through the streets of Positano with a gelato in your hand and you're going to paint on the ocean because that's your new hobby. You have a big flowy hat on. Yes. Big sunglasses. Your style is great. You then find a very sexy man, woman, whoever. They come and you are painting them nude on the beach with your gelato. And your convertible car is parked on the beach. Yeah, done, done. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I want to be. So that is coming out on Wednesday at noon, uh, 12 p.m. Eastern time. The Wednesday after that, we have the Birth of Venus collection launching completely. You guys have to see this freaking mermaid candle that me and Ten made. It's in. It's oh incredible. my god! <laughs> and then the the Wednesday after that is the Apollo collection. We do have um, a seven day candle coming out from him and some worshiping tools. For him, um, we actually might do mystery boxes for the Apollon collection. If you work with him or worship him and you're like, load me up. (laughs) (laughs) So um, that's going to be coming out. But we have so many things coming out this summer. It's our biggest launch yet. I also made holy water. Listen, we're doing all the things. We're doing all the things. Italian folk, magic, Roman gods, the Greek gods. We got it all here at Six and Bones. Absolutely. So we all hope you have an amazing day. If you have any questions, please feel free to drop them on our Instagram. Don't forget to like, subscribe, rate our podcast in the store. Don't forget to check out the store. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.